morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 160, 160. And today, the tonight, this evening, whenever, whenever you're listening to this, uh, we have Jenna Bolstad, the head women's basketball coach at Miles Community College in Miles City, Montana. Jenna, I'm going to test your knowledge of your surroundings here. A uh, little, little <laughs> quiz here. Are you ready, Jenna? Yeah. Okay. All right. Whom, for whom, is Miles City, Montana named after? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. I have no idea. <laughs> As a history teacher, I'm going to say I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay. Would you like me to fill you in? Yeah, I would, actually. Okay. All right. Miles City in Montana is named after a gentleman by the name of General Bearcoat Miles, who was heavily involved in the uh, U.S. government's efforts into, uh, we'll just generally, genu- generously call it acquiring the lands from the Native American cultures of the region of the Dakotas and Montana and that type of stuff. And, and he was uh, a famous general who uh, was lead, uh, the leader of U.S. forces in the region for the better part of the 17 or the 1870s and 1880s uh, there, uh, you know, just doing exactly that for the U.S. government. So now you know. Now I know. I was going to say a general of some sort, um, but you never know around here. Yeah, sure. So, so the next living room that you go into to recruit kids to uh, you can throw that little fun fact at him, and then you can say, I learned that from a pen and a napkin podcast. <laughs> I will do that. Next <laughs> next recruiting trip I'm on, I got that. I'm all over it. <laughs> yes. And, and then I expect a little kickback. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, really excited to have Jenna on here this week. Uh, before we really dive into it, and I'm done, I promise, folks, I'm done with my history nerd stuff. Uh, that's it. So, uh, before, before we get going with her, uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you or your athletes have any issues with spinal, uh, neck, balance, any of that type of stuff, go see Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi. They're going to take care of you. They are absolutely awesome. So go check them out at their uh, at their uh, website, CosacChiro.com. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, and most importantly, please, please, please subscribe to the uh, podcast. It helps when people type in basketball podcast or coaching podcast. It helps us move up there, so the more subscribers we have, the better we look. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a really good coaching website. Why do I know that? Because I made it myself. So check it out. And of course, if you'd be so kind, check out patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Uh, we've got merchandise for sale. We've got a lot of good stuff. So check it out. So enough about me, Jenna. This is all about you this evening. Coach Bolstad, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Just got done with practice. Um, had a little dinner. So yeah, just sitting down ready to rock and roll on this. All right. Awesome. 
Uh, well, uh, I want to thank you, like I said, for being patient. Uh, this week's podcast, uh, usually we drop them on Mondays. This is going to be dropping on, on Thursdays. So tomorrow, Jenna, this is going to be dropping. We're, we're taping this Wednesday night. I uh, just had a lot of stuff going on in my world, and, and Coach has been really, really patient with me this week. So I, I want to thank her for, for being patient with me. So, uh, Coach, let's get going uh, with you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background. The, the way we kind of start out most of these podcasts is uh, you just telling us your story, uh, your basketball journey, and tell us how you ended up being the head women's basketball coach at Miles Community College in Miles City, Montana. Yeah, so um, I'm from a small town in northeastern Montana, about two and a half hours from Miles City. Uh, played Class C basketball, so in Montana we have four classes, AA, A, B, and C, and C is the smallest. Um, had some offers out of high school and just didn't feel right and had a couple JUCO offers. And my coach here at Miles Community College, I actually played here, um, started my journey here as a collegiate basketball player, came here on my visit and just kind of fell in love with it, fell in love with campus, um, my teammates, uh, the coaching staff. So started my career here, um, played two years. We were really, really successful. Um, I think we went 56 and eight or something in my two years here. Um, next part of my journey was at Black Hill State University, where I played for Coach Mark Nori um, for two years. Got my finished up my degree, was a student assistant for a year, uh, just to kind of get involved in the game while I finished school. Mm-hmm. Next would have been uh, transitioning into the teaching world. I went to uh, Trent, North Dakota, just for a half a year. Got done, you know, that middle of the year graduation dates. Um, graduated in December, so had a half a year to just sub and do some stuff. Coached high school basketball in Ray, North Dakota for two years while I taught PE and health. Um, and then my college coach called me up and was like, hey, I have a graduate assistant spot. Uh, you know, you always talked about wanting to come back. You know, it's yours if you want it. You kind of just have to jump through the hoops, yada, yada. And I was like, let's go. Like, I wanted to get back in the college realm. Um, just high school was good, but just different um, sure. in the intensity level, things like that. Um, so kind of jumped back into the college realm. Uh had an opportunity after my first year to be an assistant coach at a junior college um, at Williston State College, which is ironically about an hour from my hometown um, Mm -hmm. and actually in our conference now that we play in. So went back there, was there for four years as the assistant, just kind of, you know, learning the game, learning the scouting reports, um, just kind of detailed work on everything. And then um, had an opportunity to open up at Montana Tech with uh, Carly Sannon, who is no longer there currently. Um, but great opportunity was at Montana Tech for three years before um, taking the job here at Miles Community College just this last August, actually. So kind of a quick turnaround mm-hmm. of things um, this summer. Got in the job late um, and just kind of went from it from there. And uh, that would be kind of my nutshell of a quick uh, wrap-up of my coaching journey. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Well, hey, everybody's got a different route, and, and yours, is, <laughs> yours is what it is, and we all have our thing. So, uh, yeah, was was the goal, you know, you, you, you said you started out as a, as a grad assistant, and then you, you did the high school thing for a year, but it wasn't like, was it, was it kind of always in the back of your mind that college is really the place that you wanted to be? You know, I, I didn't even want to coach really until um, I got – you know, actually my last couple of years of college and just kind of being around it and then missing it those first couple of months after you're done playing and had the opportunity to stay on as a student assistant and thought, you know, hey, this is kind of something I want to do. And 
I, you know, first, my first thought of when I was getting my, my degree was I want to be, you know, an athletic trainer. And then the more and more I played, I was like, hi, I want to coach. And I'm like, I can't, I can't be an athletic trainer and coach. So what's the next best thing that keeps me involved in the game? And so my undergrad's actually in physical education and health. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I taught for a couple of years with that, but you know, I knew I wanted to come back to the college level and I didn't know in what capacity or like where I would end up. And everyone's like, Oh, did you know you want to be a head coach or what? And I'm like, you know, I'm big on fit. I'm big on, um, you know, if the timing's right of things and just kind of how that all works out. And, you know, I liked, I liked being an assistant. I, I love being an assistant to be honest with you. And, mm-hmm. you know, now being in that head coaching role, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. but it's fun to also have your own program and kind of get to do what you want to do. And, piece together everything you've learned from you know head coaches you've had or programs you've been involved in and kind of just build your own culture build your own program and you know it's kind of you're one for me so it's really ground zero I guess and Mm -hmm. trying to build that and then start with my fresh recruiting class next year my first one and and build that program or build the program here And, and it's been really really successful the women's program has for I mean since I played since before I played here um So just trying to keep that tradition alive and, you know, enhance it and embrace it and keep it moving forward rather than progressing backwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when you um, began your your career and you knew you you wanted to get into coaching and then you got to the point where uh, you got into the, you know, more into the college game. And then, you know, obviously it became a goal to become a head coach. What was uh what were some things that you did personally to prepare yourself before the job opportunity came along i think just trying to learn from as many people as i could um you know learning what i wanted to do learning what i didn't want to do um i'm i'm big on note taking i mean i have notes upon notes in my phone and sometimes i can't find them in my phone to be honest with you but you know i'm i'm writing things down for next year of hey this is what i want to change in my culture i need to do more of this i need to i need to change this next year this is how we need to teach this we need to start with you know closeouts boom i need to break this down you know just more detailed of of what i'm trying to do and you know i'm always calling you know my my former coaches that I have um, that I've coached under and coached that coached me. And I'm like, huh, can, can we just chat for like 20 minutes? I'm like, I got, I got to pick your brain on this, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So that was the biggest thing is just trying to build what I wanted off of, um, you know, not reinventing the wheel necessarily, but taking sure. what I wanted and chunking it together of this is what I like from this person. This is what I like from this person and, and building, you know, my culture from the ground up. Is it kind of a deal? And I, I think we all go through this. We know what we want our program to look like, but how, what, you know, uh, we know what the, you know, if, if I've got a hundred puzzle pieces, I know eventually these hundred puzzle pieces are going to fit together into a really nice picture, but I've got to make sure this piece is here, this piece is here. And, and is that part of, of what you're going through right now is, you know, I know what I want it to look like, but where do I put the pieces in order to make it to, to, to get it to where I want it to be? It definitely. Uh, it's definitely that transition right now. Um, and you know, my kids are great right now that I have, but it's all kids that were here before I got here, you uh-huh. know? So you're, you're playing with kids that maybe don't fit your style quite yet. And uh-huh. so you're having to adapt and maybe I'm not even trying to like, I want to press and I want to run and, and I don't have the personnel to necessarily do that right now. So it's like backtracking off, but then you're trying to tell recruits, Hey, I want to run and gun, but like you can't watch film because that's not what we do, you know, mm-hmm. type of deal, but it's, it doesn't fit my style. It's not quite, you know, the niche isn't there quite yet of, of what I want, but you know how the puzzle pieces are supposed to fit together and you're just trying to chunk 
one or two or three together and, and make that string and then, you know, maybe find a different spot where you're, you can fit a couple more together. And then hopefully in the next year or two that you, you build a bigger puzzle. And mm-hmm. then, you know, after a couple of years and you're having a bigger puzzle and, and then your culture fits in and it's just flowing, you know, every day, of course, you have to work on culture and things like that, but mm-hmm. then it's flowing and it's just easy going. And it's a transition of you're getting the kids you want. You're getting, you know, um, the character, the the academics, the the kids that, you know, are the blue collar work ethic kids that you want. Um, mm-hmm. So just trying to, to, to do that in that, this first year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what have been, you, you, you've prepared to be a head coach for a while uh, and, and, you, and you came in, you came in late. So it was, it was a little bit, I'm, I'm sure of uh, just keeping your head above water in large part. What were, <laughs> what were some of, what were some of the, uh, things that you did not, you know, you can prepare yourself only so much to, to be a head coach until you become a head coach. And then it's like, oh, crap, I didn't realize this and this and this and this. What were kind of some of the, the oh, crap things that you were, were unexpected surprises, I guess we'll call them, uh, being a first-time head coach? Um, I think the biggest one for me was the game management. Um, I mean, really, I've only had a year of head coaching experience at the high school. Um, everything else has been an assistant at the college. So in high school, of course, you know, is completely different than college. Um, granted, we have a shot clock in, or had a shot clock in North Dakota. They still do. Um, uh-huh. But so that was similar. But when you only have a year and it's been, you know, seven, eight years since you've been a head coach, you know, you're completely at the mercy of whatever's going on. So my biggest thing was leading up into season was you know, drawing plays up, you know, on a clock. Um, mm-hmm. I would spend time, I try to spend five minutes a day, just, I got to draw, this is my scenario. Boom. I got to draw it up. Um, and I was, you know, just looking at sideline out of bounds plays, blob yeah. out of bounds plays, just, just trying to go through and boom, I had to draw them up. Um, just kind of what I wanted just so I had refreshers in my head. Um, to be honest with you, I have a piece of paper and it has, um, you know, plays on the back of it. So I don't have to think off the top of my head in a game. I already kind of know them, that's, um, yeah, but that's, it's, that's exactly what reference. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So probably, I probably have way more than you cause I'm not that great at all this stuff yet. Um, and you know, the biggest one for me was, is I can drop out of bounds plays and plays the, the hardest one for me is sideline out of bounds plays. And in the women's game, that's so important late yeah. game with the with, being able to advance the ball. Yep, yep. Um, that that was the one I struggled with the most. So I had to spend the most time on it. And even now, like we're in the middle of the season and I still am like, okay, before a game, I'm like, okay, let's run through these just a couple quick hitters if I need them mm-hmm. or I'll, I'll find one. Actually, to be honest with you, I find a lot of yours uh, quick hitters. I use a lot of them. I, I'm screenshotting stuff all the time or morning of, I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a great play. I'm like, I'm going to run that. That's going to be my first play tonight or something. But uh, you, you would be amazed at how many plays of yours I ran during AAU season two years ago. So, <laughs> well, did they work? Did they work worth a crap? Yeah, they did actually. So it was good. Oh, okay. So, so this, I'm, I'm going to keep adding to the residuals here, uh, Jenna. I, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to, I'm going to start sending you a tab, a monthly bill or something like that. Then if that's okay, all right. With perfect. You. So, <laughs> uh, anything else other than the game management? Um, the next one would be probably just the, well, and I haven't even gone through it completely yet. I'm, I'm in the process of it is, but, um, the recruiting side of things and, you know, you're the one in charge of now offering kids mm-hmm. and how does that offer letter look like? Um, what are you spending your money on? You know, like before I had input, but it wasn't my final decision on who we yeah. offered what, you know, yeah. and now it, it's on me. It's on, it's on me to bring in kids and it's, it's my final evaluation of, of that kid that gets them on the team or doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's probably the biggest one. I mean, budget I did, you know, as an assistant, um, the skill development I did, 
Um, I did the scouting and stuff like that. The practice planning, maybe. Um, I'm pretty detail oriented, so um, the practice planning is not such a big deal. Um, but you know, being able to manage practice, I guess, would be the next thing um, of you know going from an assistant to where you're not saying a whole lot or, or your inputs there, and now you're running the show and you've got to be able to articulate everything and. I have international kids. I have two um, from Argentina. And so they speak Spanish. They're pretty fluent in English. They're good. But a couple of times I'll catch myself, you know, talking really fast. And and they're like, kind of just giving me that look. And I'm like, okay, um, sorry, let me give you not such a big word here. And let's explain this in a a better way. So um, I think that's helped me grow as a coach, you know, um, just learning those little nuances that I I tend to do that I maybe can't do now um, that have to, you know, correct um, to, to make me better and to make my team better. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. What, you know, you, uh, you had a nice career as a player. Uh, you... Uh, did a lot of nice things. Black Hill State, good, solid NAIA program. Um, you know, as a player, uh, I, 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 you come into it. I, I was, I, I, I had a uniform. Let's just say that about my playing career. Um, I, the the legend lives on without YouTube. But I, you know, I had I had a uniform, and that was about it. Uh, you you played at a pretty high level for four years of college. What were some things that you took as a player? that you have tried to implement to your coaching philosophy and, and having that perspective as a player uh, as you're going through your, your journey here? You know, I was a big energy player. Um, my coach called me uh, just, you know, that, that workhorse, that, that person, that, that spark, that spark mm-hmm. plug person. Um, that's really, it's my personality, uh, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. that's an easy one to bring over, but I'm really big on, you know, bringing the energy every day, um, making sure, you know, I compete, I view, you know, I may not be competing in practice anymore, but I still have to compete. Like I have to be better than someone else that day. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I have to outwork the other coach in the conference, or I have to, you know, I have to be at the top of my game. You know, they say that the two most prominent people that can't have a bad day are your head coach and your best player, yeah. you know, and making sure I don't have those days. I mean, there are days it happens, but yeah. you know, I try not to let my kids see that or whatever, that I'm having a bad day or, or let that affect them. Um, so bringing that over, um, and that, that work ethic, um, I just believe that's a big thing to, to bring over that, that I was always taught growing up on the farm and ranch that, you know, you, you're, you're doing the stuff, you do it right. Um, if you don't do it right, when are you going to do it over? You know, yeah. like we don't have time to, we don't have time to build a fence again. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to yeah. do it right. And, and, you know, my dad trusting me to just get things done, you know, on time and without his help. And that's, that's been a big part of, you know, my playing career and also, um, you know, my coaching career. Mm-hmm. You, you are, you know, all things considered relatively young. Uh, you're, you're, you are not that far away from your playing days. Let's put it like that. 
what do more you, than you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way: you're a lot closer to your playing days than I am. How about that? Okay. So, okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> what what do what do and, and I'm going to use this word: experienced coaches like myself, who are are farther away from our playing days than you are. Uh, what do we need to continue to remember about the perspective of the players? Because I think sometimes as you get more, again, here's the word, experienced, uh, sometimes you you get more wrapped up in your perspective when at times, yes, you have to have your perspective as a coach, but you also, I think it's important to have the perspective of your players. So, uh, you know, what goes into that thought process as somebody who is, like I said, closer to their playing days than somebody like me? Um, you know, I just think kind of being open-minded and listening to them. Um, I mean, tonight we actually had film tonight and just talking to the kids about, you know, different scenarios of game situations and things like that. And, and things actually kind of got a little heated on, you know, uh, shot selection and, and what we were talking about end of game and just different things. And I was like, well, like, this isn't something to argue about, but like, I want to know your perspective on it. Like, why do you think this isn't a good shot or whatever else? And, mm-hmm. Like I, I literally was genuinely asking why, because sometimes I think kids aren't taught um, you know, what's a good shot, what's not a good shot. And when you bring kids in from, you know, an international uh, level, which is completely different than ours, the pace, the style, everything, and to now bring those in to play junior college ball, which is different than, of course, your Montana kids that are coming in from high school. Sure. And now adding that shot clock, yeah. um, which, again, is different internationally than it is here, uh-huh. uh, just the number of seconds and things like that, and how that sh- that, that perspective differs from from kid to kid to kid and i think just that's one thing i try and be really open and honest with my kids about is hey i'm gonna tell you what i like what i'm feeling i'm not gonna like dive around it i I want you to know this is what i feel this is how it's gonna be and i but i need you to give me feedback on that and i'm open and honest with you and i need a two-way connection um and i just think that's something nowadays that's more common um of that open lines of communication it's not just you know it's my way or the highway um i mean yes there are things that are like that but yeah um try trying to have that more open dialogue and just uh-huh. be up front with kids uh-huh. um rather than you know it's this way yeah. and it's only this way and it's that way forever yeah we, we we had something not quite like that it's not an apples to apples comparison but we had a we had a film session i think it was last week uh-huh. we 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 had a game we didn't we didn't play i, I we didn't play well and we were pointing out some things, and one of my players raised her hand, and she said, "Hey, you know, I just got a question. You know, we worked on this quite a bit going into the game, but we didn't really use it. And it was a great question, and, and I had never, um, I had never taken the time to articulate, hey, you know, we're going to try and prepare for as many possibilities as we can with the time that we have and with our skill level. And so if we need that, it's it's there. But I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with kind of what I'm seeing. I'm going to go with what I've seen on film and what I think will work. And a lot of times, most of the time, we're going to use the stuff that we worked on. But every once in a while, like it was in this situation, it just didn't fit into what we were seeing. And I, and I think it's good that you open the floor to your players like that to ask those questions. And, and it's okay for your players to challenge you with questions yeah. like that about shot selection or about 
what we were going to do defensively. It was a def- it was a defensive question uh, in this situation. And and as long as you're solid with your philosophy and your reasoning, I think there's nothing wrong with having those type of conversations with your players. Is that kind of the way you're thinking as well, Coach? Yeah, for sure. And, and of course, every scenario is different. Like, yeah. like they were asking like, hey, well, what about this? Like, is it black and white? And I'm like, well, it never is black and white. Like, yeah. there's always going to be a gray area because your time and score, you know, have we had good possessions? Have we not? Have we turned the ball over? Have they scored? Like, that all factors in the shot selection. Like, it, it just it ebbs and flows with the flow of the game and I, I can never tell you right or wrong like it's going to be of course feel of the game and things like that so it's just it's just interesting to see how they differ in what we view sometimes mm-hmm. and I think sometimes they and as much as I hate to say it they sometimes have a better idea of what's going on in the game because they're the ones playing it like yeah. we don't have control over it as much as I want to I when the ball gets tipped we have no control minus you know calling timeouts and a couple execution things but literally I can't score for you so yeah, yeah. well and and that's why coaches love practice and hate games and players hate practice and love games, love games. Yeah. That's because they, they have control they have control so. um you had mentioned it. You've you've got a little international flavor uh, with yeah. your with your team this year. Uh, uh, some Argentinians and some Australians. Uh, how, yeah. how, how did you know? And I know you inherited them. How how did they end up in Eastern Montana? Um, you know, connection of a connection of a coach. Um, you would be amazed at how many emails most college coaches get um, about international kids or just recruiting things. I bet I get probably 30 emails a day about kids wow Um, just you know you're just random ones of just out-of-state kids um you know you're recruiting people that fill out recruiting stuff i mean of course here it's a little bit less but when i was at the four-year um i mean it's your inbox is spammed every day and i don't mean spam but a lot of it goes there because it's from you know not secure connections or that's what it thinks your server does but um you know we're looking at a couple international kids now and it's just based on handlers and mm-hmm. um you know them reaching out and then you know the biggest one for me was i think i had i had a kid uh talking to a spanish kid today um from spain and what was it uh it was 8 a.m when i talked to her my time and it was four o'clock her time oh, um wow. and then like t- tomorrow it, um, i have one with an australian kid and it's a 16 hour time difference so it's uh, I think it's three o'clock my time, but it's like seven o'clock her time wow. um, in the morning, wow. but the next day, the morning. So, wow. um, you know, just dealing with those and, and I can never keep up with the time changes. I'm like, you guys got to figure that out. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't do the time change. I can barely keep track of central and mountain time, <laughs> let alone 16 hours ahead. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, you know, the recruiting, the kids are pretty good too. Um, when you get a kid there, if they know a kid um, back home, they're trying to get you. Um, like one of my freshmen, her sister will be coming up in a couple of years. And she's like, coach, like we look at my sister and I'm like, yeah, she's half as good as you. Yeah, for sure. I'll look at her, you know, type of deal. But um, just those connections through, um, you know, four years that want to place someone with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah trying to get them to go on to the next level. They don't have to go to that four-year, but they're trying to develop them to then go on to that four-year, but they yeah. can develop into something higher or maybe not pan out. Yeah. What are some, uh, and you kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, Some what, what are some unique things that you've had with, with coaching the international kids? Um, the style of play is definitely different. Um, I don't want to say they're not as fundamentally sound, but it's different. Like, again, the style is different. So they, they play off of one foot a lot more. I teach a lot of two foot stuff. Um, you know, you're always finishing off two feet in traffic. Um, 
I don't like same hand, same foot finishes. I mean, there's a time and a place for them, um, but just just different things. Um, all my Australians split their feet when they shoot. Um, my like the Argent. Uh, Argentina kids, uh, just Spanish, uh, different flow terminology. That's a big one. Um, I think for everyone, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Mm-hmm. I mean, culture wise, it's always something they're sure. always teaching me something new or little tidbits. Uh, I, I randomly say Jeepers Creepers and I have a kid that's picked up on it now and she says it all the time now and she's like, Coach, I never said this before and I'm like, Well, I'm trying not to use a different word, so <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out here. Yeah. We we all have those in our vocabulary of uh, <laughs> yeah. words that we say when we can't say the other words we'd like to say. Absolutely. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what are some things that they've perhaps taught you about the game? Um just flow um like letting i've got a pretty experienced point guard letting them take it and go um i I don't know i'm sure a lot more than i'm letting on but i just haven't really thought about it to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um i think culture is the big thing like and it's not even maybe to do with basketball it's it's everything outside like asking them like we got on a food topic the other day and they have never had something um Uncrustables, maybe um, oh, they, okay. something random. Like we talk about random stuff, and they're like, "No, coach, we don't have this in Australia." And I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, we don't." Oh, the next thing they they don't pre like they don't use pre wrap when they tape ankles. It's just directly tape on skin. Oh. And they're like, "We would we would get blisters all the time, coach." And I'm like, "This makes so much more sense." And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Take a box back with you." <laughs> um, just. I think random cultural things of I didn't know or uh-huh. uh, and I mean I had some international teammates but I mean Polish from Poland um, yeah. I, I did have an Argentinian uh, teammates um, just for my one year so different things of just culture how they do things um, whether they're more laid back uh-huh. um, I've got Australians so that's a big thing is they're a little bit more laid back some of them uh-huh. um, depending on um, ethnicity um so that's been different uh but super super talented just not real um go-getterish if sure. that makes sense yeah um so trying to learn how to motivate them yeah. <laughs> has been di- different yeah yeah you know hey let's 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 get fired up here let's let's put on some eye black and let's get after this year uh, yeah. that, that, that kind of thing i wish yeah <laughs> A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Okay, coach, at this time, uh, we're going to change gears here a little bit. Uh, we're we're going to dive into your stuff. But before we do, uh, it, it is time for the John Wooden quote of the day uh, from Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Uh, Coach, are, are you ready to, to hear and, and comment on the wooden quote of the day? I am. Okay. All right. So uh, a little bit longer one. Uh, not terribly long, but long enough, I guess. 
Uh, so you might have to repeat it for me. <laughs> what's that? You might have to repeat it then for okay. me. Okay, right. wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. So uh, from page 111 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observation, here is our wooden quote of the day. A leader, particularly a teacher or a coach, has a most powerful influence on those he or she leads, perhaps more than anyone outside of their family. Therefore, it is the obligation of that leader, teacher, or coach to t- treat such responsibility as a grave concern. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. No, I, I love it. Um, you know, as a teacher, a former teacher, and as a current coach, I, I truly believe that we have um, a duty and obligation and a responsibility to, you know, help um, student-athletes, you know, not only in athletics, but in their student life and, you know, as a person, um, bettering them for society. I don't believe it's just athletics. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I believe truly teaching like life lessons through athletics. I I believe it's a vehicle. It's, it's a tool we can use to, uh, make someone a better person, um, mm-hmm. and help, help instill. I should say, I shouldn't say make, cause I can't force anyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can help instill those life lessons and it's a hundred percent accurate. And I hope to goodness gracious, I am doing that, yeah. but I guess we won't know until we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in, in a, like in your situation, you, you have, and, and this just popping into my head as you were talking, uh, you're in a situation where you're a two year school uh, you yeah. don't you don't have 21 22 year old teammates helping incoming freshmen kind of navigate life being on their own for their first time uh, some of them a ways away from home uh, like like a lot of college kids are uh, everybody's kind of in the same boat when you're at a, at a junior college you know they're either there for a year or they're for, there for two years and and once they've kind of got everything figured out on campus and where everything is, it's time to go somewhere else. And so probably you and your, your staff have a even a little bit bigger responsibility to be a, a strong leader, a strong coach, uh, to, to help these young women get to where they want to go and, and, and take care of them, so to speak, as they transition into this new phase of their of their life. Yeah, it, it's completely different. I mean, that was, everyone asked me, I guess, kind of the hardest thing transitioning from a four-year to a two-year, and I would say it's not having juniors and seniors. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you went from having, you know, a built-in leader that was there for four years, um, that's probably your captain, to now you're trying to find someone that's, you know, 18, 19 to lead your team, and uh-huh. and throwing them in charge of, you know, everyone else, and can they do that? Can they lead? Can they, um, you know, can they be mature enough to do that at 18, 19, maybe mm-hmm. 20? Um, I do have a 20 year old. Um, she's just older. Um, but you know, can you do that? And, uh, it, it's interesting to see that some can, some can't, and it's very different for, of course, your international kids, because, you know, I feel like, uh, I, I talk a lot and I'm like, Oh, my kids. And someone's like, Oh, you have kids. And I'm like, uh, no, I, I don't. I have 13 players or 12 players or whatever I have. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, sorry, I got to use a different term. But, you know, like, that's what it is sometimes because, you know, your international kids don't have anyone here. So you're literally like if they have to go to the doctor, you're the one taking them, you know, yeah. or um, and I feel that way any about any of my players. I'm going to take you to the doctor if you need to go to the doctor. But I feel like it's more so with all of your international kids because 
there's a barrier there and they've never maybe done it. And so you're trying to teach them how to, how to do new things, especially within the States um, and just how different things are here compared to hometown life. for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, coach. uh, Let's, let's, uh, let's jump into your philosophy. I I thought we'd just start with something really, really simple. Let's just talk about some drills. I, I don't feel like we've talked a ton about drills, lately and and not to say that drills are the end all be all type of a thing uh but it, it it's good to uh take a look at drill work and, and again somebody like me who is and i'm going to use this word experienced uh sometimes we get a little stagnant with our drills uh and and that type of a thing so uh what what are what are some of your favorite drills to do to help develop maybe individuals maybe one or two uh, individual drills uh, that are going to help players develop a little bit, and then maybe some some team drills, a, a couple of team drills that you run uh, that that you think help develop your team. And and I'm going to let you go here, uh, let you cook a little bit, and I'll try to politely ask questions when I deem it necessary. And uh, w- yeah, we'll roll from there. So go ahead, Jenna. Okay, perfect. Um, so I'm a big fundamental person. I believe. Um, you know, fundamentally, uh, kids need to be sound and all those just, you know, same, same pivot foot, um, you know, footwork. It's a little bit different at the junior college because you don't have a lot of time with them. Um, but at the four-year, we taught, you know, footwork, everything was the same for all of our players, minus, of course, your left-handed kids. Um, biggest drills that I do are small-sided games. I love one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, anything uh, remotely that way where it puts kids at an advantage and you have to play defense and you have to learn to finish. Um, again, I talked about before, I love to teach kids to finish off two feet in traffic. Um, I just believe you're more, um, powerful. You can, you can finish through contact. Um, it just makes a little bit different. Now there's a time and a place for a one foot finish, of course. Um, but just, I feel a little bit more confident with that two foot finish and I try and teach all my kids that. Um, so big one for me is small sided games. Um, you can, be imaginative, creative. Um, we do a whole bunch of them. I have lists upon lists of drills, and I get a lot of them from Twitter, to be honest with you. I screenshot stuff daily, saving it um, just to put in my drill book, things like that. A um, couple of my favorite drills would be, um, and this is a two-on-two one, um, NBA Jam. Uh, it starts out, you have a couple coaches in the middle of the floor, and you're always transitioning from uh offense to defense so you play offense no matter what you have to transition back to defense and so uh the offensive team well the defensive team gets the rebound and they have to outlet to coach and the coach passes to the next coach and it's live from that point so Mm -hmm. you literally have to just get your butt back and you're scrambling and talking on who has what and it's literally two on two full court Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite ones, we run it at camp. We run it in practice quite a bit. Uh, I actually have it for a while. I might have to throw that in tomorrow, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, one of my favorite ones, just just like it, um, it just teaches kids, you know, you actually have to go from offense to defense, not defense to offense, um, uh-huh. which is, I think, the biggest transition that most kids want to play only offense. They don't want to transition backwards um, uh-huh. to the other side. Well, um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, anything that you can do to make – you know, I think one of the most undertaught things in, in basketball is that offensive and defensive transition uh, going, going both ways. And I, and I think that I really, we try to spend a lot of time 
on offensive and defensive transition and and at times we we haven't done a very good job with that especially with our defensive transition you know you're talking about your list one of the things that I've really got to reconsider is our defensive transition philosophy uh for next year so uh that you know my my, my list is 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 kind of starting already as well so uh but I, I think it's so important if, if you can make that stuff chaotic and fast twitch, so to speak, what with whatever drill yep. you're doing, two on two, three on three, uh, one on one, jump here, jump there, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, that's that's such that's so good for your players to have to think on the fly because uh, the game isn't going to slow down too often, especially if you're playing at a high level. No, it's definitely not like football where you have one possession you get to stop and you get six seconds of break. Like it's it's a constant track meet until you have a whistle blow, and that could go for. I mean, we've had stretches where it's gone four to five minutes where you haven't had a whistle, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe a dead ball, but it's, it's a dead ball. It's not like there's lots of subs coming in the first two minutes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to, you got to transition and, and be able to go from one to the other. And how do you do that? Um, like, what's your, what are you running your lanes? Are you not running your lanes? Like, how are you talking defensively? Um, which is stuff we have to get better at um, of, of talking. I think uh, every time you can get better at talking and pointing and, mm-hmm. you know, your defensive transition, that's, that's the biggest one for me. Mm-hmm. Transitioning to offense. I think everyone wants to play offense. Everyone wants to run and score. Yeah. Um, but no, no one wants to play defense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and some of us were just incapable of playing defense. So, <laughs> okay. that, that, that was my profile. So, um, in, any other drills you want to share with us? Yeah, um, we do a big one. Um, we call it Bearcats. Uh, you add one person every time, so it starts two on one. Um, you'll come back, so then it's two on two, um, and one team always has the advantage. So mm-hmm. it goes advantage to a non advantage. So you're learning how to score with that advantage and then, you know, being able to match up. And then after you get to the course five on five, you can play as many possessions as you'd like. Um, and then we stop it and then you switch it around. So the other team starts with the advantage. So two on one mm-hmm. and you'll add one backwards. Um, the other one I kind of like, which is similar to that one, we call it king of the courts. So instead of you start five on five, but you eliminate down, word mm-hmm. so you go from five on five to now you're five on four mm-hmm. and it's whoever shoots it or turns it over is eliminated those are big ones for me um just because you know we have to take advantage of scoring in transition um lately we've been running uh you know three on two and you've got to score 75 percent of your shots mm-hmm. attempts um and if we don't we, we run because we have to take advantage of scoring with numbers um and just being aggressive going to the basket um those are my big two um i guess i guess one a mental drill uh just to throw it out there uh we call it perfection um you have so many minutes on the clock uh usually we start with uh, six six and a half um you whittle it down as they go um but everyone's got to make a right-handed layup. Uh, everyone's got to make a left-handed layup, mm-hmm. uh, both ends of the court. And then we go two men rush from there. So pass, pass back um, as you're going down the floor. Everyone's got to make that. So you have to make down your partner and you have to make it on the way back. And then three men leave. Uh, everyone's got to make your group's got to make a layup on both ends. Um, and then the last one would be what we call Michigan. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a combination of. Um, it's not three men weave because there's an extra pass and there's an elimination of a pass, but it's pass right, pass back to the middle, and then you up court it to the um, opposite side and they score the layup. And you have to, there's a combination of how you have to weave to get back to the other end. Um, But everyone having to make those, those shots um, in the time limit you give. But if you miss your group has to start all the way over again Mm -hmm. and everyone has to consecutively make it Um, just a mental drill for us. Um, 
we try and run it. We'll do variations of it. I don't think we've actually done the whole thing this year. Um, we've done like the layup part, the two man rush and the three man weave, or I'll do layups and two man rush in Michigan. Um, just timing wise and just kind of what I want varies every day. So those are big ones for me for drills. Um, you know, I try and teach, I try and make drills or make up drills that emulate our offense or our defense of what we're trying to get out of for that week of practice. Um, and then how that helps me in scout or different things like that of getting the concepts across, um, because we always need drills to work it, but sometimes we can't, you know, play at five on five. So it's got to be a little bit smaller, um, to, to emulate what we need, um, broken down via a game. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's some really, really good stuff there, coach. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, player development and, and you're in a situation where you are developing players for your team, but in theory, you're also developing players for somebody else to take from you. And so, you, you kind of, I would think your 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 player development plan is has probably got to be pretty broad because you know they could go to this four year and they're doing this and this and this and then they're going to that and you know this four year and they might be doing you know teaching their defense this way or they're teaching their shooting technique this way or whatever it may be and you can't control that once they go there. Uh, but 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 what are you thinking about or what are you trying to implement with your kids? Uh, and what are you thinking about doing here in the off season, especially with your player development to help these kids reach the next level? Well, do you want me to pull my list out? Cause I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find it on your phone, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, you know, I'm big on as an assistant coach, I was big into player development and skill development, skill development. I had, you know, players in the gym. That was one thing I had to be. I was in the gym all the time. And now as a head coach, to be honest with you, I have felt like this is the area I've slacked most this year, and it's uh-huh. the area I shouldn't have slacked um, uh-huh. most, which I'm finding out now. Um, but again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, trying to make up for that now, and just you know, working on things differently. Um, not that we don't do player development; it's just not individually. We put it more in a team setting, and you're trying to do, um, you know, my assistant says that one end with the guards, I'm at with the posts, or we flip flop, or whatever it may be. And, you know, we get some skill development breakdown stuff in practice but i got to do a better job of you know having small groups or even individual um stuff you know once or twice a week um that's my goal this spring that's my goal for next year um that's what i did you know my assistant stops you know um so biggest thing for me is tailoring it to that individual um of what they need to work on um you know getting uh shots that mimic what they're going to get in our offense. Um, so they're getting reps and they're understanding the footwork of this is how you're going to come off this flare screen. Here's, you know, some options. If um, you get overran, you know, you're going to side dribble three away from the defense, you know, just different things like that. But basic footwork, um, you know, again, I try and teach uh, your posts are always going to have multiple pivot feet, but I just believe, you know, your guards, if you have a set pivot foot, um, it just minimizes some travels, things like that. Do I think you should have to have a set pivot foot? No. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you should be able to play off both and there's a time and place for them, but it's just understanding um, the more reps you can get um, with that set footwork, you know, the better off you're going to be. I try and teach stride stops. I'm, uh, I never understood it and I never got it until I went to Montana tech and my head coach there was big into stride stops and I'd never done it. And literally COVID happened after my first year. And I spent, I was home at the ranch and I literally spent 
time and time again, learning the footwork in my dining room kitchen. And my mom was like, what are you doing? I'm like, just bouncing the ball in the kitchen, learning this footwork. And she's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, mom, I have to be able to teach this mic back. Like if I can't do it, I can't teach it. And I like, I'm, I'm such a, I'm a kinesthetic learner. I have to do it. I have to understand it. And so like, I had to teach myself. And now that I can do it, I, I can, I can get it. I can teach it. Um, and I just, I get now hundred percent the benefit of it. And, you know, it's just different than a jump stop. So, you know, that's one thing we're going to hit hard with, um, my kids coming back and my kids going on is trying to get that foot down. There's just so much more you can do rather than a jump stop. Um, you know, if you get cut off, you can, you know, change direction, things like that. Um, last thing for player development, I really get into is just the ball handling footwork. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a hundred different ways to do a crossover, but just that basic footwork of yeah. if you can jab and cross, you know, you set your defender up so much more and then you can blow by so many more people. Whereas, and of course there's a hundred different crossovers, the throw cross, the snake cross, you know, all these different terminologies that everyone has out there and everyone's different, but just being able to be fundamentally sound with the basketball and make a change of direction move yeah. and blow by someone. Like mm-hmm. I got to stop, make my move and now explode out of that move. And just doing those things over and over and over with, with my players coming in, um, with players at camp, with whatever we're doing. Um, those are big ones for me, um, for player developments and just getting shots up. I believe kids don't get enough shots up. I think you have to get, you know, five to 600 shots a day. And I mean, that's, that's putting up shots. That doesn't take long, um, but you have to have the time and and to do it. And granted, of course, I'd love my kids to get way more than that, but they're not gonna, uh, let's be realistic here. <laughs> they got, they got lives too on and yeah. whatever we can get in the gym and get up is, is the best. Um, it, and it's better than nothing. So giving them time to get up shots that are game like game speed. Um, and of course just replicating our, our game stuff. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. You brought it up, Coach. Uh, you, you talked about camps and and what you're doing in in camps and uh one of the things that you said you'd be willing to talk about is is building a good camp and and we're not there yet uh we're we're all still coaching our season as of right now but you know in in the next month or so that 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 page is going to turn to where you start thinking about your summer program and 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 your summer camps and things like that so uh you know, I'm always interested in improving our summer camps, especially for like our our elementary and junior high kids, just to give them uh, more uh, 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 the best experience that we can. And, and so, what are some some things that you have done to to put on a really really good uh, summer camp to to bring in kids and to to have them have a good experience while also you know taking the game of basketball a little seriously as well? Yeah, um, I'm I'm big on fundamentals. Um, Chances are, if you come to my camp, we're not playing five on five. Um, Very, very, very seldom do I do it. Um, Maybe at the high school level, but probably not because usually I have boys and girls and just the the mixture of boys and girls and just how that works with high school does not mesh well. Um, 
kids always ask me, I'm like, nope, we're not doing it. Like we'll play three on three, maybe four on four, you know, maybe transition buildups, whatever, but nothing that way. Um, I'm big into, you know, I want to make it fun, but I also want to make it competitive. I want you to learn something about it. I think parents pay a lot of money to have their kids come to camp. Um, And, you know, of course we're using it as a fundraiser or we're Mm -hmm. using it as, you know, supplemental income for ourselves as, you know, camp instructors. But, um, you know, I want kids to get something out of camp and it's not just coming and, you know, I'm rolling the basketball out. It's, you know, we're, we're building up from, you know, square one to, you know, um, playing three on three. So where, what does that fundamentally look like? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, ball handling is a big one for me. I could probably spend three to four hours on ball handling alone, just, you know, jump stops, pivots, moves at cones, um, different finishing stuff. Um, all of that plays into it. Um, you know, building up to passing. I, I think sometimes we don't, you know, take passing seriously enough, you know, a right-handed push pass rather than a chest pass, you know, granted your younger kids can't do that, but your, your middle school kids up have to all learn, like it's outside hand pass. You got to be able to pass with your left hand and your right hand. And, you know, how does that work? And, um, why am I doing it that, that way? Sometimes I don't think we explain to kids why we're doing things mm-hmm. and that sometimes gets lost in the translation and, and they think we just don't know what we're talking about. Um, sure. You know, um, big in the small-sided games, I talked about that earlier with the drills. Uh, we play a lot at camp. Like, we'll have segments of just, you know, one-on-one, and it's different small-sided games. It's maybe you catch in the post, and everyone's playing from the post position. So, sorry, you know, guards, you may have to battle against the post, but, you know, you're going to have that advantage now when we slide out to the wing, and we're going one-on-one from the wing. Um, two-on-two, three-on-three. Um, I try and teach, I try and tailor my camps to wherever I'm going. Um, we ran a couple camps this summer and had to, um, tailor, they were putting in a new offense that we'd actually ran. So tailored a lot of that stuff to starting to add stuff for them on terminology and things like that. And, um, you know, running split screens and your reads off of that and, um, your down screens, flare screens, anything like that. Um, you know, your transition running your lanes, um, I try and teach post moves as much as, you know, we try and teach guards and things are, you know, usually tailored to guards. Um, I, I believe everyone needs to have post moves in their back pocket because mm-hmm. you just never know. Sometimes if you, you get down there and you, you might have a mismatch and you're the one five, six, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, teaching those different things. Um, but you know, overall, um, I'm big into, you know, growing the game. I want to grow the game. Um, you know, I'm around here and it's, I'm usually going back to where I'm from. So a big one, a big thing for me is, you know, camps are a way for me to give back to the community. I mean, yeah, we charge and things like that, but I mean, I try and, you know, donate back to each program that I'm at. Um, I try and give back to the community of, of some sort of, I'm having their kids help out and Hey, use this as community service. Like, like let's give back to your program. I'll donate back to your program, whatever I got to do. Um, but it's a big one for me of, you know, I'm a college coach and I get to get my name out there. I get to get my program out there and, you know, um, maybe find a kid that I get to add to my recruiting database because I get to see someone that maybe I wouldn't normally see, um, or see up and coming kids as they're growing. And I can be like, Oh, that kid's got talent or that kid can do this. And they're a freshman. Okay. I'll keep them on my radar and just, just things like that. So, um, I know I didn't give you a lot of games or anything or um, activities, but, um, those are the big ones for me, I guess. Fundamentally I'm, I'm big into shooting and, you know, that footwork of of what we're going to do coming off. And I try and ask every coach, I granted, 
you get kids from all over when you come to camp. But if I'm hosting a camp at a school and they teach a certain footwork, I'm trying to teach that footwork. So I mimic what they're teaching um, just for the fact that I don't want to teach something different. And now I'm confusing every kid and it's not in the flow of their stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So always trying to just make sure um, not necessarily not stepping on toes, but working with um, high school coaches that are bringing me in to, to make sure that, you know, I'm teaching what they want or if, if they want an emphasis on, Hey, we we struggled at this, this last year, kick, can you hit on this? Boom. I'll I'll take a segment of that and Mm -hmm. we'll put it in, you know, both days of camp just so we can help teach it better because maybe I have a better way of teaching it than they do. And I'm always asking people for new drills. Um, Give me a new drill for camp. Give me, give me something else for, you know, like that I can use in my program or, Mm whatever else. So I'm trying to learn just as much as they are, as the kids are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always ask the kids, like, what's your favorite drill from camp? Like, what do you like? And uh, just get feedback from them. So, yeah. Well, and, and and I think that it's, it's, it's a deal where you want to make your camp serious enough and strong enough for your serious ballers that are going to be there. Uh, But especially when you're dealing with like the little, the the little kids, the the second graders, the third graders and stuff like that. Uh, You know, you, 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 uh, you got to be willing to and and think about what's going to be good for them as well. Uh, what's your uh, when when you're doing camps? Do do you bring in like? And I think you said this. You're bringing in players uh, to help you with the drills and running some stations and things like that. Is that kind of the way you organize it as well, Jenna? Yep. So um, when I've run all mine back home, I have two kids that I so I did um, private lessons for just kids all the time, whatever they wanted, charged, whatever. I have two kids that run that have, since they were eighth graders, they're now, um, you know, sophomores in college. I actually get to play against them this weekend. Um, they, uh, know my camps inside and out because they've come and I've done all their, they've done all my footwork, everything like that. So they've helped me tremendously. They always, I mean, I think they ran seven camps with me this summer. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll bring them in and they run segments of it. And then we bring in high school kids at wherever we're at and I'll help you know, help you out or whatever. I donate back to your program, things like that. Um, but usually it's, you know, my players or I try and bring one or two of my players along. Um, just someone that kind of knows what I'm trying to run. Um, I'll have, you know, coaches from that school, if they want to come and help me, you know, I'll, I'll pay you to come help me. Um, you know, cause you get implement on what I want and, you know, we both learn something. It's always, you know, um, a learning opportunity. It's a way to, you know, talk, talk shop um, that's my favorite part is talking the shop with everyone and just mm-hmm. like hey let's talk let's talk this tonight let's let's talk about um you know what's your philosophy on this or hey let's throw it at an end of game scenario um of, of what are we running like how are you fouling what are you not fouling um so I, i'm always big on you know bringing kids in um that can you know have that opportunity high school kids are a big one um i think they're the biggest role models for the younger generation and you know if they're at camp and they see the importance of them being at camp you know it, it continues down the line of hey i want to come to camp this person was there this is my role model um mm-hmm. and it's a big thing for them it just just gives back to to the community and and the kids get to you know see their role models and go from there oh sure you know we're having our youth uh, you, you know, youth team night or whatever the heck you want to call it tomorrow night, and uh, you know, I told our girls at the end of practice day, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of uh, a lot of kids in here, and you're gonna have a lot of eyeballs on you, and so you, this is your opportunity to represent our program and yourselves in a really really positive light. And I always tell my players 
when we are doing our summer camp, hey, you know, they're they're really not here to be around the the old grumpy guy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, they're they're here to be around you. They're they're here to be around. Yeah. You know, right now you're their heroes. As you know, when they're in second, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever it may be, and so you have to carry yourself a certain way. You have to have a certain type of enthusiasm and energy with them, because. Remember what you were like in third, fourth, fifth grade. You were looking up to those high school kids, and you have to bring that with your camp. And I think that's something that it's really important as we get into that camp season a couple of months from now. Just a little nugget to put in in your notes, coaches, is to to make sure that you cover that with your players because a a lot of teenagers are not going to naturally do that. You kind of have to coach your "Quote unquote," coaches to make sure that they do things the way that you want them to in your camp, and the and the biggest thing I I tell our kids is if we've got fifty campers here, I want all fifty of them back next year. You know yeah. that's that's the goal is to bring them back next year to have them have a great experience to have a lot of fun and to have them want to come back and have them all back next year. And that's that's something I've really emphasized with my camp work as well. Yeah, for sure. So we had um, just a mini camp here. Uh, maybe it was like the Sunday before Martin Luther King Day um, mm-hmm. or Saturday. We we had a game uh, Monday, well, Sunday and Monday, but Monday was our elementary school day. And so we had 50 kids in the gym on Saturday for three hours. And like the biggest thing I told my kids was, hey, everyone's going to have fun. I want you, I don't care if you act like the biggest idiot in the world, you will have fun. I said, I will be that biggest person. I'm going to be the biggest hype man in the gym because this is my, I, I love camp. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like teaching, you know, PE and health. And this is my way I get back to, you know, being in the gym with little teeny kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just get to have fun. And um, it was fun seeing, you know, kids that were at camp come the next couple of days later to our elementary school. They, they had school, but they had to be there. And so they were yelling. They knew some of the kids' names and they're yelling and screaming. And then after the game, I have all my kids go up into the bleachers and they're sitting with all the kids. And one of my kids actually lost a bet and she to one of these little kids that came to camp <laughs> and she had to come down. And she said, coach, can I steal pizza from the box? Like I lost a bet to this little kid. And the mom wrote me like this great message afterwards. And she's like, hope we can come to a game soon like I need to repay her like maybe you know I'll have him better again and I'll make sure she she wins you know so we can take her to dinner or whatever and I'm like like it's okay it's it's fine like but just that relationship that they built that maybe now you've inspired someone else to play and I'm big on just you know be the be the best person the kindest person in the gym when we're at camp and you're trying to just influence those lives to want to play basketball and want to come back perfect Great way to end it tonight, Coach. Um, you know that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know that's that's our mission. That's 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 our jobs, and and that's the most important thing that that we can do. And you can win all the games you want, and yeah, winning's fun. Uh, but if we're not taking care of things like that, then the the winning kind of becomes empty after a while. And and I think you you know, like I said, I, I think that's just a terrific way to, to to end our discussion tonight. And I and I think yeah. that should be the mission for all of us. So um Jenna Bolstad, head women's basketball coach at Miles Community College, uh in Miles City, Montana. Coach, again, thank you so much for being patient with me this week. Really, really appreciate it. And and just uh uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and, and I hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. Yeah, thanks, Marty. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, hold the line here. we got to wrap up a couple things. but uh, Oh, I forgot. Social media. If folks want to learn more about your program, 
Uh, what do they need to do? Where do they need to go? Um, it's at MilesCC underscore women's basketball, I believe, on both Twitter and Instagram. Okay. I believe. I should probably check that out. I don't even know. Sometimes they're different on a lot of them. Yep, that's right. MilesCC underscore women's basketball, WBB. Got it. Got it. Um, we'll check it out, folks. Uh, you know, Jenna's uh, taking over this program back at her at her alma mater, one of her alma maters, and and uh, she's got them going in the right direction. And uh, just just keep an eye on her um, up there in the uh, uh, in the in the upper forty eight or the upper of the upperest forty eight or however. I've never been to Montana. I, I've never even flown over Montana, but I've always kind of wanted to to drive through it all the way up to uh, the Pacific Northwest up there in Idaho and, and, and head up to maybe Seattle at some point. But I, I got to wait till I retire and, and find time to do that. So, but uh, no, thanks again for coming on coach. Really, really appreciate it. So um, hold the line here in just a second. Got to wrap up a couple things again. Uh, coach Bolstad uh, really want to thank her for her time. Uh, we of course want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, our founding sponsor. Uh, go see Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi. If you're in the Omaha area, you need a little tune up, so to speak. Uh, download, rate, review. Again, subscribe. Uh, check out, uh, you know, check out the, the 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 podcast subscriptions and and you know we're getting close. I think to 400 episodes here, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, so uh, please subscribe so that we can move up in the rankings. And when people search out, you know, coaching podcasts and stuff like that, we're we're up there. So uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pen and napkin at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. And of course. April the 1st, Saturday, April the 1st, we're going to be hosting our third annual Coaches Clinic. Uh, the the lineup has been finalized. We're going to be releasing that hopefully here very, very soon, and we're really looking forward to that. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day at a time.